Chapter Twenty Two of Whither Thou Goest by William Lequeux. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Twenty Two. In a shabby room of a shabby house in one of the most obscure quarters of Madrid, five men were sitting. They were Contreras, Zerilto, Alvedero, Moreno, and Somoza, the fisherman of Fantarabia. Guy Rossett is here in the next room. It was Moreno who spoke. He turned to the fisherman. Has he recovered sufficiently, Somoza? The fisherman answered. He is still a little bit dazed a minute ago when I left him. The handkerchief I flung over his face contained a pretty strong dose. I should give him another ten minutes before he is ready to face the tribunal. The capture had been easy. Guy Rossett, reckless of danger, had left his flat to pay his visit to Isabel Clandon. Two members of the secret police were ready to accompany him. Fearful of compromising Isabel, he had rather roughly dispensed with their services. Reluctantly, they had obeyed him. They agreed between themselves that an Englishman was always pig-headed, a bit of a daredevil, and inclined to take risks. Guy walked carelessly along. He was in rather good spirits. He had received that day a cheerful note from Moreno that everything was going well, that very soon the heads of the anarchist movement in Spain would be laid by the heels. Of course, in this letter, Moreno did not explain his methods. If he had done so, Guy might not have been in quite such high spirits. For at this moment, playing his very difficult game of saving Guy Rossett, saving himself and Violet Hargrave, and also snaring the anarchist, Moreno could only give his full confidence to one man, his old friend and companion, Maurice Farquhar. As a matter of fact, Rossett never knew what had really taken place that night. He was never told that Moreno knew of his projected visit to Isabel that evening from a random remark of hers dropped in the afternoon, that he had set Somoza and another tall Biscayan fisherman to follow him for the purpose of bringing him to the house where the heads of the anarchist movement were assembled in solemn conclave. Rossett walked gaily along. He would have a precious hour with Isabel. In a dark street two men came up behind him. One pinioned his arms from behind. Somoza pressed a saturated handkerchief over his face. In a few seconds the unfortunate young diplomatist was drugged and helpless. A cab driven by a member of the Brotherhood had crawled slowly after the two men. As soon as the driver saw what had happened, he drove rapidly up. The two powerful men lifted the inert body into the vehicle. He was partially recovered when they halted at the house where the tribunal of five was sitting to pronounce judgment on the man who had dared to thwart their plans. They locked him in a room adjoining that in which Contreras was presiding over the deliberations of his five trusted lieutenants. After locking him in securely, Somoza went to report the matter to Moreno. His colleague, the other Biscayan fisherman, remained on guard outside the closed door for fear of untoward accidents. Rossett was a powerful man. Contreras, with his fine intellectual face, his hair in places turning from iron gray to white, looked the embodiment of dignified justice. Perhaps in his warped and fanatical mind he believed he was. He spoke in his most judicial accents. Nobody shall ever say that he has not had a fair trial when brought up before the tribunal of the Brotherhood. 
we will wait an hour if it is necessary for this misguided young man to recover his senses moreno who had arrived the last of the party looked round with a sudden start where is our comrade violet hargrave contreras hastened to explain ah of course you have not heard albedero went to bring her here according to arrangement he found her stretched on the sofa motionless and inanimate he thinks she is in a dying condition he is going round to inquire after these proceedings are over this is very sad said moreno in his gravest manner and she is such a nice woman personally and so devoted to the cause through the influence of jacques i wonder he cast an inquiring look at albedero if by any chance she drinks or drugs many apparently nice women do albedero shook his big head i doubt it i should say a seizure of some sort perhaps her heart is weak she looks a little fragile moreno for obvious reasons did not pursue the subject violet hargrave's absence had evidently excited no comment no suspicion a quarter of an hour had elapsed somoza was deputed to enter the locked room and ascertain the condition of the prisoner contreras was resolved to proceed justly according to his interpretation of the word justice somoza returned after his inspection and reported that the effects of the saturated handkerchief had worn off guy rossett was in a sense clothed in his right mind he was fit to face the tribunal the members of the conclave assumed masks somoza had worn a mask when he had entered the locked room whatever happened it was essential that guy rossett should not be able to identify any one of them the prisoner or captive whatever he might be called was brought in in the cab he had been bound securely round the legs and wrists but not painfully he was assisted to a chair by the masked somoza where he sat facing his judges his face was a little pale due to the effects of the chloroform but his demeanour was firm he felt himself in a very tight corner but he had been assured so often by moreno that he need never despair a good angel in the shape of moreno himself was watching over him he cast his glance rapidly over the masked men confronting him where was the black-browed young journalist whom he had known in the old days there on the right nearest to the door had that position been chosen by accident or design he recognized at once the short squat figure through the holes of the mask he could see the gleam of those dark eyes his demeanor would be more indomitable than ever contreras opened the proceedings in his most judicial manner mr rossett you will recognize that you are now at the mercy of the brotherhood against whom for some time you have directed your activities quite true replied guy rossett in his curtest manner whatever fate was in store for him he was not going to knuckle under to this crew of bloodthirsty ruffians contreras continued in his calm imperturbable manner i cannot say that up to the present you have done us very much harm but still you are a menace to our schemes our aspirations i am pleased to hear that i am of sufficient importance to justify this mock tribunal rossett waved his hand contemptuously at the masked men sitting in judgment on him the eyes of contreras flashed through his mask he took his position very seriously mr rossett let me advise you in your own interest not to carry matters with too high a hand kindly recognize your position if you were seated in the calle fernando el santo 
I admit you would be top dog. At the present moment the Brotherhood, here in this obscure house, in this obscure quarter of the city of Madrid, is in that enviable situation. A bitter retort was on Rossett's lips, but he thought he perceived an almost imperceptible gesture of warning from the short squat figure in the corner near the door. He temporized. The fortunes of war, I admit, are with you, sir. I am sorry I have not had the advantage of knowing whom I have the honor to address. Contreras was at heart a gentleman. He felt the sting of the rebuke. Mr. Rossett, if you come into line with us tonight, I may deal with you quite frankly. Before we separate, you may know as much about me as I do about you. There was an obvious movement on the part of Zorilta and Alverdero. They evidently thought their chief was going too far. Contreras hushed the incipient rebellion with an authoritative wave of his hand. Gentlemen, kindly leave me to deal with this matter. Mr. Rossett and I will understand each other in a very few moments. He turned towards the young diplomatist, still undaunted in the midst of this hostile crowd. Mr. Rossett, you have much to lose by opposing us, perhaps life itself. By withdrawing from this unequal contest, and believe me, it is unequal, you have much to gain. I am not so sure it is unequal, answered Guy Rossett stubbornly. He had perceived too late the warning signal of Moreno, anxious that the somewhat uncertain Contreras should not be deflected from his present calm judicial mood. But Contreras kept his temper. Mr. Rossett, you are a young man, with life, a happy and prosperous life before you. I know a good deal about you. It is my business to know much about other people. You are engaged to a very charming girl. You will inherit a great fortune from a wealthy aunt. And if you could establish your principles, broking Guy, speaking with some heat, you might take away from me my fiancé. You would certainly rob me of my fortune. But Contreras was still patient. He was trying to reason with this obstinate young man whose bold bearing moved his admiration. We cannot tell how the great revolution will shape itself ultimately. But let us deal with present facts. A charming girl is waiting for you, longing for the moment when she can be your wife. A shadow of pain passed over Guy's face. Tonight he had set out to visit his beloved Isabel, and he had been snared. Contreras watched him naturally through the eyes of his mask. And a big fortune will be yours very shortly. Are you prepared to give up these advantages for the sake of thwarting the Brotherhood? I rather think I am. But tell me what you propose. I admit you are arguing in a most temperate fashion. But you have something up your sleeve all the same. I have, admitted Contreras frankly. Mr. Rossett, believe me, I have no personal animosity against you except as the tool of a decaying and effete system. Come into line with me and your bonds shall be loosed, and you shall go forth a free man. Your conditions? queried Rossett in a hard voice. Take your solemn oath. No, give me your word as an English gentleman, I will accept that, that you will resign your position at the embassy and take no further action against the Brotherhood. He rose and pointed at the door. Give me that promise, Mr. Rossett, and you can walk out a free man. If Guy hesitated a moment, his hesitation must be pardoned. In that swift instant he thought of Isabel, anxiously waiting his arrival, his dear sister Mary, 
anxious and troubled also, even his father, whose maladroit interference in his affairs had sent him into this hotbed of disaffection. Then he spoke slowly and deliberately. You invite me to dishonor myself in order to secure my own personal safety. My answer is, no, do your worst. You will not reconsider that decision, Mr. Rossett? Guy shook his head. No, a thousand times no. Do what you like with me. I am a defenseless man. You can murder me here and probably hush up your crime. But I shall be avenged. You can reckon on that. Contreras rose and paced the room in great agitation. He was a brave man himself. He admired the quality of bravery in others. Fanatical and resolute as he was, it went against the grain to condemn this young Englishman to death because he would not accept the dishonorable terms offered to him. Mr. Rossett, I wish to spare you. The Brotherhood does not condemn in haste. He turned to Somoza. Take this gentleman to his room and bring him here in a quarter of an hour. Perhaps by that time he will take a more reasonable view of his position. Come, senor, if you please, said the obedient Somoza, speaking through his mask in the most polite tones. A Spaniard is always courteous, even if he is about to murder you. The fisherman bent down to assist his prisoner to rise, but before Rossett was firmly on his legs, the short squat figure of Moreno got up from his chair. He laid his finger to his lips and looked round at the assembly. Silence, gentlemen, for a moment. I am sure I heard the sound of a whistle. Yes, there is another one. Did you catch it? No, nobody had caught it except Moreno. He stole gently to the window and pulled the blind an inch aside. He dropped it hastily and staggered back in a state of extreme agitation. In that apparently unconscious movement he had drawn nearer to the door. Dios! he cried in a shrill voice. The house is surrounded. There are dozens of men outside. The pulling aside of the blind was a signal he had arranged with his friend, the head of the police. The pretense of the whistle was a blind. There was a heavy trampling on the stairs. Almost before he had ceased speaking, the locked door was burst open to admit the members of the police with level revolvers covering the masked men. Two of the unwelcome visitors seized Somoza and handcuffed him. A third cut the secure but not painful ropes that bound Rossett and conducted him down the narrow staircase. A cab was waiting. His guardian bundled the young man in. Was it a dream? Isabel's soft arms were round him. Isabel's soft voice was whispering to him, "'My darling, you are safe. Moreno has kept his promise.' Rossett was bewildered. No wonder. He had hardly yet recovered from the effects of the drug which had been administered by Somoza. His head fell back on her shoulder. "'Isabel, my dear sweetheart, you, here, what does it mean?' "'It means that you are saved through Moreno and my cousin Maurice Farquhar.' She felt it was no time to palter with the truth. Your cousin, Maurice Farquhar? What has he to do with it all? She was pleased to note that there was no suspicion in his tones, only the expression of bewilderment. Oh, it would take hours to explain, but I will cut it as short as I can. My cousin and Moreno are great friends. Maurice has come over here to help him. I was expecting you tonight, as you will remember. Maurice came round to explain that you had been kidnapped. He was coming on here as Moreno's lieutenant to help the police. I implored him to take me along, to welcome you when you escaped from them. He consented, and here I am. Guy clasped her in his arms. 
you darling and where is mr farquhar i would like to thank him isabel beckoned to a man standing a little way in the shadow he advanced maurice guy wishes to thank you for all your share in this night's work the two men exchanged the cordial handshake guy muttered his thanks i would like to tell you to drive off straight away said farquhar but you must wait a minute or two there will be a third occupant of this vehicle our friend moreno who is going to pass the night at the house of the chief of police to-morrow he will go to england in the room from which rossett had been conducted to his friendly guardian the head of the police was taking the situation in hand mass off if you please gentlemen he cried out in stentorian tones the men turned hesitatingly to each other but the level revolvers had an eloquence that was very appealing they tore off their masks and flung them on the floor the chief scrutinized them in turn offering audible comments ah contreras the dark horse of the conspiracy connected with the spanish nobility through your wife i think i have met you at court alvedero ah for some time you have been suspect zerilta i know you well governor of the province of neva he pointed to somoza this gentleman i do not know we shall find something about him later on he turned to moreno who preserved an impassive demeanour i have not the honour of knowing this gentleman either he said with a splendid disregard of the truth for which moreno admired him immensely but no doubt i shall shortly atone for my ignorance i shall have something to say to him later on he turned to his subordinates handcuff them and take them along moreno all the time had been edging nearer to the door suddenly he pulled out a knife and hurled himself at the man who was guarding it the man went down before the apparently savage onslaught moreno rushed down the stairs after him yelled the chief don't let that man escape three of the waiting men clattered down the stairs after the flying moreno they returned a few moments later crestfallen they explained that he had flown like the wind that they had lost him in the darkness the chief swore roundly and cursed them dolts idiots he cried fiercely you have let him slip through your fingers i believe he is the most dangerous man of the lot he was certainly playing his part splendidly it had of course all been rehearsed the man on whom moreno had sprung had fallen down of his own accord the men who had been dispatched to pursue him had lost him on purpose farquhar met him at the door of the shabby house and piloted him to the cab in which guy rossett and isabel were seated here is the third passenger he said moreno got in and looked triumphantly at the two well what do you think of the english secret service he cried in exultant tones mr rossett is saved i have escaped without suspicion and my good friend the chief of police will make a splendid haul upstairs he played up splendidly well i think after tonight the anarchist movement will have a big setback in spain the cab drove along isabel was deposited at the godwins rossett was put down at his own flat moreno was conveyed to the residence of the chief of police where he was to pass the night a telegram was awaiting guy it was from his sister mary i was summoned to aunt henrietta this morning she had passed away before i had arrived End of chapter 22. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks.com.